Let's turn now to our scripture. We're going to be looking at Ephesians tonight, just a couple of verses. We actually are going to be looking at a lot of scripture passages, and I don't always like to teach or preach that way because every Bible passage is so rich and and certainly could be taught on quite a bit, but uh, we're going to break down uh, what we said together and talk about these ways that the Holy Spirit, you know, comforts and convicts us and, and all these things. So first let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 17 to 18. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. I wanted to give you a little bit of uh, context. We didn't, you know, we didn't do the catechism reading last week because of Messy Church, but we're starting a new section on the Holy Spirit that's going to last until the end of 2019. So the previous question from uh, number 36 is, What do we believe about the Holy Spirit? And the answer is that He is God, co-eternal with the Father and the Son, and that God grants Him irrevocably to all who believe. And the scripture reference there is from John chapter 14, when Jesus is saying, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. So we asked the question earlier, how does the Holy Spirit help us? And the answer to that question is in so many ways, in a myriad of ways, in all these different ways. The, the New City Catechism uh, points out some of them, but I also know that we'll continue to learn as we, as we walk through this. So the first thing that the Catechism says is that the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. And I think the first thing to remember is that the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. Not, not anyone else's. Not pointing the finger at anyone else. But you know when you point the finger, there's four fingers pointing back at you. But the Holy Spirit does a work in our hearts and says, uh, this is something that needs to be uh, forgiven. This is something that needs to be taken up with me. And when I think about that idea of the Holy Spirit convicting someone of their sin, I think about this time when Nathan, the prophet, came to King David and confronted him. So I want to just read that for you. This is from 2 Samuel 12. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said... There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man But the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. 
David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, this, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, and say it along with me if you know it, You are that man. Amazing. You probably remember that this was, this was Nathan's way or I should say the Holy Spirit's way of using Nathan to convict David of his sin of Bathsheba. And telling it in this story and using this metaphor, you know, pointed it out to David that it was so, so wicked what he did. He had so much. And he stole another man's wife and sent her husband off to die. So that's, that's a really powerful story. That brought conviction to David. But how does, this, how does this work today for us? I think we should, we should be weary of stepping away from this pattern in our lives. This, there's a pattern that leads to growth as we follow Jesus and as we walk with him. And the pattern is we repent and we believe. We repent and we believe. We repent and we believe. That is how we grow as followers of Jesus. That creates humility in us, not thinking that we're right all the time, not assuming that we have all of God's truth on every single issue, but that we, that we repent. That is how God makes us more and more like Jesus. That is the sanctification process. So that's one of the reasons of many why we do confession and assurance in all of our morning worship services. Because it reminds us that we need to ask for God's forgiveness. We need to seek it. We need to receive it. We just, we need that reminder. The, the groups that we've been doing at Park Lane, these, these huddles, Part of, part of what the author has identified, you know, what it means to follow Jesus today is to repent and believe. It's this regular rhythm. So you step away from what God doesn't want you to do anymore, and you place your faith and your trust and your hope in him, and you step towards what he wants you to do. That's a really big part of following Jesus, being able to listen and discern and know I shouldn't be doing this anymore. Or I need to be doing more of, of this. And listening. Trusting and, and obeying. So the Holy Spirit convicts us. The Holy Spirit used Nathan to convict David. And the Holy Spirit convicts us now, today. Second, the Holy Spirit comforts us. The Holy Spirit comforts us. And this is what Jesus was talking about in John 14 when he said, All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, or the, another translation is the Comforter, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And of course, we're all reminded of the Heidelberg Catechism. Our only comfort in life and in death is Jesus Christ. He's the one we look to when our hearts are troubled. He is our comfort. He is our peace. 
And the way that the Holy Spirit does this is the Holy Spirit comforts us in, in that sanctification process. So it's almost the opposite of, of what he does before. The Holy Spirit convicts us in our sin, but the Holy Spirit comforts us in our sanctification and in what, what, what we're doing. It's the reminders of you know, what God has done for us. Pastor Chad and I were chuckling this morning because there's, we, I've been, uh, if you haven't noticed, I'm cleaning that front office. Somebody complimented me on it this morning. It's, it's looking better. We're making progress. But we're getting rid of some materials that we don't use anymore and those sorts of things. And there was a little booklet in there. And it was put out by home missions, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, something like that. Okay, okay, 40 years ago. We, liked, we, we hold on to stuff only for 40 years. But... The front of the material said, discover how you can be sure of eternal life. Which we were sort of chuckling. That is the reformed way of saying, you know, how can I receive eternal life? It's no. How can I be sure? How can I know that I'm really a follower of Jesus? How can I know that I'm one of the, one of the elect? And then it guides you through with scripture. But that's, that's when someone is feeling uncomfortable, when someone is feeling unsure, when someone doesn't know, the Holy Spirit comes in and comforts us and reminds us, you are truly God's child. Jesus has died for you. The Holy Spirit convicts us. The Holy Spirit comforts us. And third, the Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit makes sense of our lives. I think this is really well illustrated in the story of Joseph's life. You probably remember that he was sold into slavery and he was away from his family for so long. And then when they were finally reunited, it was such a shock. But God used him in these powerful ways. And even, even after their you know, reunion, the brothers were scared. But this is what Joseph said to them. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. God was guiding Joseph's life in this incredible way. He put him in the exact right place that he, was spoke, that he was supposed to be. And if we look back on our own lives, we can see that God is guiding us through all these, all these places that he, you know, we look and we think, why did this have to happen? This doesn't make sense. But we know that God is pulling all the pieces together. I try to think about my life and I try to provide words of comfort for all of you through this, uh, through this metaphor, this picture of, of a cross-stitch. So, uh, Michelle, can you put uh, the photos up? The first one is the back of the cross-stitch. So look at that. Look at that. What a mess. That doesn't look like anything. It's just a bunch of string pulled in different places, and nobody knows what's really going on. I mean, that's not even like art. I look at that, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's my life. I don't know what, what things are going where and where everything is. And then let's look at things from God's perspective, the second slide. 
Boom. Look at that. A beautiful picture. That looks like a that looks like a a Greek island. I mean, that's that's my people right there. That's what my ancestors lived. Beautiful. And that's from God's perspective. From our side of things, it just looks like a mess. But God sees the whole picture and he's guiding us. And he makes something beautiful about all these, all these things in our life. To us, it's a mess. But to God, to God is perfect. To God is beautiful. So the Holy Spirit convicts us, comforts us, guides us. And uh, a couple more things here. Fourth, the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts and the desire to obey God. Romans 12 says this, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So the Holy Spirit is always pouring out gifts on, on his people. And the Holy Spirit is like, the Holy Spirit's like the, you know, the eternal, you know, long-lasting version of the Amazon delivery guy. You know, it just shows up and gives a gift to you. Sometimes you don't even know where it comes from. It's totally out of left field. But then it's like, open the gift. Use it. Take it. And do what it says. The Holy Spirit puts that desire inside of us to obey God because we wouldn't, we wouldn't come up with that on our own. We, we do what, what it says. You know, like... Like that song, Trust and Obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus. The Holy Spirit puts that desire inside of us to obey God. And lastly, the Holy Spirit enables us to pray and to understand God's Word. So, you know that in the book of Acts, Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit came upon God's people in this powerful way. And after that, you see all these incredible things happening. In chapter 4, they begin to, to pray these, these powerful prayers. Uh, it says in verse 31, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So they were able to pray in deeper ways, in fresher ways, when they had experienced the Holy Spirit and received the gift from Him. One of the things that Pastor Nikki Gumbel talks about on that Alpha course is when they teach people about the Holy Spirit, especially people that have never been in church before, never don't know anything about the Holy Spirit. They have a Holy Spirit weekend where what they do is they go through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation And they look at all the places that the Holy Spirit is active in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, from creation to new creation. And one of the things that they've learned in teaching this course for so long is that after that Holy Spirit weekend, a lot of people come back and they say, oh my gosh, the Bible is actually speaking to me now. Like I've I've tried to read the Bible in the past and it didn't make any sense. But now the words are jumping off the page at me. And it feels like God is speaking directly to me. 
because they've had this deeper experience of the Holy Spirit. They've had this, maybe this brand new experience of God, of experiencing God, or maybe this renewing experience of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit helps us to understand God's Word and uh, to pray in, in new ways. The Holy Spirit is taking our, our muddled prayers and our, sometimes our selfish prayers, and he's making them perfect. He's presenting them to God the Father, and he's, and he's asking for, for God's will in our lives. So there are all these tremendous things that the Holy Spirit does. And our response is really just to say two things. It's to say, come Holy Spirit, like we prayed about. Come Holy Spirit. And it's to say, to say thank you. To make our lives a, a picture of gratitude for all that God is doing in us. So why don't we, uh, why don't we pray now? Lord, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that has opened our eyes to who you are, has done all these amazing things and is still so active and working in, uh, in our lives, in our churches. Lord, help us to pray that prayer, to say, come Holy Spirit, renew our faith, enliven our faith, point us to Jesus again and again, and to be, to be thankful, to be filled with gratitude for, for what you have done. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.